Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Franchon Francis about tackling workplace stress and depression and her organization, Healing Your Almond. Franchon Francis, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm super excited to have a conversation today with you. We're going to be talking about workplace stress and how we can tackle that stress, workplace anxieties, and depression. Uh, And we're going to do that through the framing of your organization, Healing Your Almond, and you'll unpack that a little bit for us, what that means. Before we get started, I wanted to share... Franchon's bio with everybody. Franchon Francis is the founder of Healing Your Almond, a licensed clinical mental health counselor and certified trauma practitioner and trainer. She founded Healing Your Almond, a Wilmington, North Carolina-based consulting group in 2019, utilizing her expertise in both trauma and emotional intelligence to help companies address employee stress and team efficiency. Known for her authentic leadership and engaging presentations, Franchon discovered her passion for mental health in 2007. Over the years, she has held several positions, including clinical and residential coordinator of a 61-bed treatment facility. In 2016, Franchon moved to Wilmington, North Carolina. She continued her clinical work in a community-based mental health setting, specializing in in treating those impacted by trauma. Prior to her work in mental health, Franchon was a project manager for a startup in Brooklyn, New York. She graduated from Bentley University in 2005 with a degree in business and earned a master's in clinical mental health in 2011 from Ohio University. Uh, Again, amazing background. I'm super excited for this conversation. Thank you for joining me. Anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background or context before we launch into the conversation? Uh, No, I'm just super excited. I was looking at your lineup, your recent guest, and I was like, wow, okay, that's really awesome. You have some amazing guests on here. So just thanks for having me. Oh, well, it's a pleasure. Thanks for joining me. And it's, it's a thrill. I get to talk to so many great, interesting people and just add you to the list of really great, interesting guests that I've had on. Um, so thank you. Well, why don't we start with your, your company, your founder of Healing Your Almond. Tell us a little bit about that. Oh, what does that name mean? What's kind of, let's unpack that a little bit. And then we can get more into talking about workplace stress, anxiety, depression, those sorts of things, and how we might as leaders be able to respond to it. Okay. Um, so I'm going to get into a little bit of brain science. And that's just because I can't help myself. Um, and most of what we do is founded in research and brain science and things like that. Um, so healing your almond refers to the amygdala. And the amygdala is a part of the brain that is located deep in the brain between your ears, behind your eyes. Um, And it's the part of the brain that is responsible for your fight, flight, freeze, or fawn trauma responses. 
So basically it's the part of the brain that tells you whether you're safe or not safe. And when I was deciding the name of the company, I originally was going to go with Healing with Franchon, but that had a couple issues. And the first one is very simple, which is nobody knows how to spell my name. So if you were like to make the website Healing with Franchon, like people wouldn't be able to find me. So that was kind of a practical barrier. Um, and then just thinking about, I want the organization to grow beyond me. I want it to not just be about me and my philosophy. Um, so I thought about like, what is the thing that I'm really good at? Like, what is the thing that makes total sense to me? And that's the amygdala and dealing with physical and emotional safety. So healing your almond um, means that if we all come to workplaces and family ships and relationships from a place of safety, physically and emotionally, from a healed almond kind of place, um, then basically we can achieve almost anything and we can have, you know, better effective conversations and high productivity and great problem solving as a team and all these wonderful things that people want. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic. I, I appreciate describing that a little bit and, and sharing a little bit more of the backstory there. And you're right, that's exactly what everyone wants. Um, but the reality is we, we all face trauma, we all face challenges. Um, the most privileged among us still have their, their battle scars from life. And then you just add on to that when people have, um, you know, when they're in, in underserved populations or have other, you know, lacking privilege in certain ways, um, you know, that it, it just adds additional layers of complexity and challenge that people have to face. And so that just brings with it the stress, the anxiety, even clinical right. depression, other uh, mental health issues uh, that people have to face. And, you know, so often in the workplace, you know, many leaders will say things like, you know, be professional. Um, and when they say be professional, what, what it's kind of a dog whistle towards, you know, let's let keep your personal stuff away from work, like keep that at home. And when you walk into work, put on your mask and, and be quote unquote professional and just, uh, and just be happy and healthy and don't let any of that other stuff feed in. And frank, frankly, that's kind of a nonsense uh, perspective in my, uh, from my point of view, I, I don't think it's possible for us to, uh, in a healthy way, at least, I don't think it's possible for us mm -hmm. to be able to do that. We might be able to do it for a short amount of time where we're inauthentic and where we put on a, a mask and we just smile through the pain. Um, but, but people are complex. They have their stuff. They, they have, um, all of that baggage and we have to be able to work through it. And inevitably it's going to bleed into our organizational life, our work life. And the question right. then becomes, are we going to be able to be there as a leader? Are we going to be supportive of our people to help them through those things? Um, are we going to try to, to reduce and mitigate the challenges, the stresses that they face in the workplace? Or are mm -hmm. we just going to pile on? And if we pile on, eventually, of course, they're going to get overwhelmed. They're going to get burned out and they're going to leave. And we're going to end up losing otherwise good people that may, we may even label as, oh, they, they weren't very productive. They weren't very, um, they, they, they didn't accomplish what we needed to. Uh, and, and the only reason they didn't is because we didn't create uh, an emotionally and psychologically safe environment where they could flourish. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that there's a couple things that I heard you say in terms of like the inauthenticity. Um, it's interesting to me when some workplaces, especially high stress, high performance workplaces, um, talk about things like professionalism and which ultimately sometimes do lead to being inauthentic, but they're paying people to be creative. Right. So one of the one of the big things that makes us valuable, especially in the United States, is our ability to solve complex problems and our ability to have, you know, 
really creative ways of doing things. And it's hard to, it's pretty much impossible to do that when you're not coming from a place of safety or authenticity. Because if you and I are trying to problem solve something and you're struggling with something that's going on at home and there's no place for you to talk about that or deal with that, you're not going to be able to give 100% at work. Not because you don't want to, but because you're actually not able to. So it's just really interesting because some organizations, I will say, some of the big organizations spend a lot of money and a lot of time investing in creative workplaces because what they've started to understand is if they want their employers, which oftentimes is your biggest asset or your second biggest asset to be effective, you have to provide for something beyond their basic needs. I think the reality is like companies that are really going to go far are the companies that understand like we're investing in you as a person. And we want your overall wellness to be great. And we're going to give you all the tools that we can to help you be successful in that way. Yeah, I love that. And, and perhaps, I don't know if you meant it this way exactly, but I noticed a distinction between the way you framed investing in people and the way sometimes I hear other people framing investing in people. Mm. Um, yes, I absolutely agree. We invest in our people. The question is, do we treat them as cogs in a machine that we invest in our people just like we would invest in a piece of machinery that we have to uh, maintain and upkeep? Uh, or do we invest in our people as human beings, <laughs> as authentic individuals who, uh, who have needs uh, that, that we can help them find fulfillment, meaning, and purpose through the work that they do? And we can provide support for them and help them to learn, grow, develop, have an abundance mindset, growth mindset, et cetera, right? Um, right. I think those are two very different types of approaches. Now, ultimately, I'm going to be supportive of any organization that is trying to invest in their people, even if it's right. from, you know, the, the kind of the cog in the machine mentality mm -hmm. that I described. Because it's better than nothing. And at least they're, right. they're right. investing in their people. But it, it does highlight a fundamental difference in perspective of, of how we, how we uh, approach the people within our organization. And I'm, I'm ab absolutely always going to be an advocate for a people-centered organization. People-centered internally with our employees, people-centered externally with our customers, other, our communities, other key constituencies. Um, and that means that while, yes, we can focus on profit, making money as an organization, that you know, the, the, we we talk about the triple bottom line, um, for example, and there's more to being a, su a successful organization than just driving profit and higher uh, stock value for for our investors. Right. Um, it, it, and it doesn't need to be an either or. Like we can we can accomplish all these things and have positive outcomes across the board um, without without sacrificing profit either. Right. Right. And I think you have to be willing to come up with creative solutions. And that's the organizations that work with me consistently. Um, that's what I really give them credit for because they're always like, all right, we understand that not one size fits all. Like we get that. And by, and usually by the time they come to find me, like they've already learned that lesson. Like they've already had the EAP and the wellness walking challenges and the kind of like, you know, the, the kind of canned activities that, like you say, are great. Like, I'm proud that they're doing something, um, but what they've learned is they're like, okay, we're still not getting the results we want. Like, we still don't see, you know, participation. We're not seeing the numbers that we want. And I'm like, okay, well, did you just ask your people what they want? Like, did we, did we try that yet? And then they're like, well, not really. We did a survey and I'm like, all right, cool. Let me come in and talk to some people. Like, give me some samplings. Like I want some of the janitors. I want some of the entry-level staff. I want the CEO. I want some board members. Like, let me meet with everybody at all different levels of your organization and have an authentic 
confidential conversation, a therapeutic conversation about, Hey, where are you at? What's going on? You know, what are you willing to share with me? Um, what's, what's the good, because there's always good. There's something good, you know, and what's the not good. Um, so that is a big part of what healing your almond does is really that creative solutions. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Yeah, I think that's great. I think uh, we absolutely need to focus on investing in our people um, and at a deeper level, uh, programs are great and wellness initiatives and events are great and, and connecting people to, you know, service and mission driven opportunities is great. All of that's wonderful, but really where the rubber meets the road is their inner, you know, any individual within an organization, their interactions with their coworkers immediately around them and their boss on a day-to-day basis. Right. Right. That's, that's ultimately what's going to create their, their experience in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, even if the larger organization has an awesome culture, everyone thinks it's the greatest place to be. If you have a jerk boss, it's going to be a miserable place to be, uh, and vice versa. You can have a pretty crummy organization where you have senior executives doing all sorts of weird shenanigans and corruption and whatever, but you have a really great supervisor or boss right. that you immediately right. work with and you're kind of insulated from it. Right. Um, and so I, I, I like that because if we can remember that, it shows us that we do have power to influence our immediate surroundings. Um, Mm -hmm. I may, you know, I may be a middle mid-level manager. I have no ability to influence, you know, senior executive C-suite level decision-making. I may feel, you know, powerless in a sense because of that. But if Mm -hmm. I can zoom back a little bit and I can recognize that within my sphere of influence, within my group, within my team, I can absolutely create a psychologically safe environment where people feel uh, invested and empowered, appreciated, uh, et cetera. And, and, and where I can help people to navigate the complexities of life, the complexities of the stresses and anxieties that they face in the workplace. I can do that with my team. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I can help them to have a really great work environment, even if you know, the broader organization. Yeah, you definitely can do that great. if you have the skills. And what I've learned is, is that people don't have the skill set. 
It's not that they don't want to. I went into the, it's so funny how I started this company and where it's at now are very different places. So when I started, I was like, you know, I'm going to be dealing with all these unhealthy workplaces. I'm going to have like these really horrible managers and disgruntled employees. And I'm like preparing myself for like the worst of the worst. Right. It's absolutely not what I got. Like what I got was people that are already invested that have already done a lot of work and just want more. Like they just want more help and more support and they really want customized solutions. And they're like, you know, we want to have great people we're just not totally sure how to do that. Like we've done the book study, we've done the can training classes and like that helped a little bit, but like it hasn't really gotten us where we want to go. And I'm like, oh, okay. So you want, and different people need different things. Like some managers need to learn to talk more. Some managers need to learn to talk less. Some managers are scared to death of conflict and nobody's really taught them how to address stuff. So they just don't know how to have authentic conversations. It's not because they don't want to, it's because they have no idea how to do it. Um, and they were really good at their job, but they're not necessarily a wonderful yeah. manager. And then there's people that think they're wonderful managers, but have no idea how to teach the people below them what to do because they've never held that position. So it's like all these different complex things that we kind of go in and say, okay, let's talk to everybody and get a real idea of what people need. And then let's take the top three needs and just go. Like, let's just move towards that. We can't make everybody happy. You know, people get overwhelmed. Sometimes I've heard people say, well, this person's upset about that. And I'm like, okay, cool. How big of a percentage of your organization is that? Is it in the double digits or the single digits? Because we, our goal is not to make everybody happy. Our goal is to provide opportunities for people and take care of people. That doesn't mean that everybody is going to be excited and, you know, really super pumped for this position. But one thing you said about powerlessness, I just want to point out real quick, powerlessness is a big indicator for clinical depression as well as trauma. So anytime that we consistently um, make anyone feel powerless, it is causing usually depression and or trauma kind of simultaneously. So it's a really big deal that we empower employees authentically and truly, and not just say that we empower them, but they actually really do have venues where they can talk to people about their grievances and about what's going well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we do need to be able to have those meaningful, real mentoring, coaching, feedback conversations with our people. Uh, we need to make sure that there's actual mechanisms in place where people can uh, speak up, speak out, report, you know, problems in the workplace. Hopefully, you know, we have a good relationship of trust with our people so they feel safe to come to us. Right. Um, you know, with things, but, but that's not always the case. And depending on what the issue is, you know, like we have to have mechanisms where people can report things anonymously. Like there's just so many different things that we just need to make sure that we're practicing. And to your point a few minutes ago, you know, absolutely. So many organizational leaders just don't have the skill set. Um, they don't have the emotional intelligence, the EQ or, uh, or the experience, despite the good intentions that they may have to be able mm -hmm. to consistently model these types of behaviors, these types of approaches, and to, to be in a place where they can develop those relationships, be authentically vulnerable and with their people, modeling for them how they can, uh, you know, deal with these challenges, the stresses, the anxieties, the fears that they may have, and, and how to move forward with them in a positive way. So right. as, as organizations as a whole, if I'm, not, if I'm in a senior leadership level, um, or even if I'm in a lower level, and I recognize that maybe I don't have those capacities, or if people, le people in my leadership team don't have those capacities, we need to develop them, we need to, to mm -hmm. invest in trainings, we need to invest in, um, 
in consultants, uh, other people like you and I to come in to help out with those sorts of things. Um, there, there's a reason why people like us exist because we, we do have, you know, a little bit of a different perspective. We have a different background. We can come in and we can help with those sorts of things and help unpack those sorts of things and, and put in place a more sustainable approach for organizations right. to address those sorts of issues. Yeah. And I, th I think definitely, you know, one of the things I'm always, I always warn people about when I start talking to organizations is like, my goal is to work myself out of a job. Like my goal is so that you don't need me to work with me anymore. Like you may like me at a point and be like, oh, I really, this would be easier to just call French on. But the point is you have the skill set to be able to have these difficult conversations, to be able to have these trainings, like to be able to address these things without me ultimately is my goal. Um, and it's bigger organizations really respond well to that. They're like, oh, you know, and I'm like, I don't want this to be, you know, and that, that may take months or years. I'm not saying it has to be, you know, a quick process, but I just want to be clear about people. Like my goal is to teach you all the skills I have so that you can go and use those skills. And then you may need to hire a different consultant for something different, you know, but just really kind of getting to that place of sustainability and not always investing you know, large sum of money in the same thing. Like you really want to get that return on investment because if you invest in your people and you have great retention, then the skill sets that they have is like a pyramid. It just keeps building. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, uh, fascinating conversation. Let's spend our last few minutes together talking a little bit more specifically about some specific things that, you know, anyone listening today, any leader can start to do right now to help create a better environment for their people to support individuals who are facing those mental health challenges, have those stresses, those anxieties um, driven by uh, fear or any other, you know, factor that might be influencing that in their, their experience at work. Oh, I have so many things. Okay. So I know self-care is like one of somebody I was working with was like, self-care is a dirty word around here. Like we try not to say it. I'm like, yeah, that's a problem. We need to, we need to be saying it. Um, so the first thing is definitely self-care in terms of those little things that you do every day. You know, like I, I know someone that, you know, her job is to take people on escapes and she loves her job. And I think that's amazing. I want to build a life I don't need to escape from. Like my goal is to build a life to where like, not that I don't want to go on vacation, but like I'm not living for my next vacation. Like I'm excited every day to go to work. So I think it's about looking at the small things that you can do, whether that's drinking water, taking a walk you know, maybe doing therapy, yoga, exercise, coloring, painting, creative stuff, like something that you can do that's feasible, um, you know, 10 to 15 minutes a day, every day. Number one, it has to start with you. If you need your organization to change, you also probably need to participate in some change. Um, and then number two is start practicing asking people what they need instead of saying, let me know if you need anything. I know it seems like a really, really small adjustment, but it's something that a leader of mine did years ago and it, it's completely changed my relationship with people that I supervise. So I used to always say, let me know if you need anything. And now I always start any meeting with, what do you need from me? And I pause and wait, and we're not moving on until you answer my question. You know, and I need I you to- I really, really like that because, because when we just say it at the tail end, it just sounds like this cliched, thing that you don't really mean. It's just like saying, how are you? <laughs> you know, right, like right. nobody actually expects you to like go into like all the stuff you're dealing with when you say that it's just like a nice pleasantry. And so when you, 
one, you, you, you change the way you said it. So instead of saying, let me know if you need anything, you, you specifically say, tell me what you need from me. And right. instead of doing it as kind of an afterthought at the very end, you're doing it right at the beginning. So I love both right. of those things. Yeah. And then my last thing is be prepared to manage up. And what that means is, is that if you, if you're, if you decide after listening to this podcast, you're like, all right, starting tomorrow, all my meetings are going to start with what do you need from me? Also take care of yourself in the same way by going to your supervisor and saying, Hey, next meeting we have, I need to start with what I need from you. Like I've been doing some reflection and I've made a little bit of a list and I just need about 15 minutes at the beginning of our next meeting to have that kind of discussion. Um, and the managing up thing is definitely hard. I will say that um, it does take some practice and some, you know, relationship building and things like that. But ideally what happens is those three very simple steps and do them at your own pace. And I listed them in the correct order. So start with number one. Um, but by the time you get to number three, it's like, Okay, and it's, it's exactly what you said earlier about the 360. Like, so this way you're changing your immediate organization. So of course, you know, ideally I would love for people to reach out to me or you and hire us to work with the company. But depending on where you are in the company, you may or may not even have any influence over that decision, right? But what you do have influence over is the people above and below you. So spend time focusing on them after taking care of yourself. I love it, great tips. Thank you so much, Franchon. It has been a real pleasure talking with you and we could go on and on and on. Uh, so I, I'd love to have you back anytime and we can continue the conversation. Uh, but before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Um, so I do have like all the social media places, but I would say the best way to really get an idea of what I do is healingyouralmond.com, which is my website. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Franchon Francis, and then we also have an Instagram and a Facebook. Um, but like I said, the, my website is really expansive and really kind of gives you a really good idea of all the different things that we do. Um, and I think my last word of the day actually is if you feel powerless, do something about it because long-term powerlessness has some really unhealthy impacts on your physical and mental health. So if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, I really do feel powerless in, in, in any kind of relationship, your workships, your family ships, whatever kind of relationships you have in your life, um, I would recommend that you start doing something about that immediately. Um, because like I said, the long-term effects are, are really expansive. Perfect, perfect. Well, thank you so much. It has been a real pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, to get connected, find out more about what Franchon and her organization can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.